Hello and welcome back to Acting Like an Actor. I'm your host, Sophie Jordan Collins. And on this week, we are joined by actor, director, and producer, Arnold Chun. Arnold was a series regular on Amazon Prime's The Man on the High Castle. He can also be seen in films such as Bullet Train and Transformers, as well as shows such as It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, The Big Bang Theory, How I Met Your Mother, and literally so many more. We talk about what it's like being a series regular, coming to acting after having another career, and how to balance having a family in this crazy business. Please welcome Arnold Chun. Are you rich? Are you famous? What have you been on? I don't really recognize you and neither does my mom. Can you laugh? Can you cry on command? I mean, you said you were an actor, man. Let's get back to playing in the shadows. Dude, I'm just acting like an actor. Hello, everybody. I'm Sophie Jordan Collins, and today I am joined by actor Arnold Chung. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's yeah, a pleasure. Thanks for being here, Arnold. Absolutely. Okay, so we always start off every episode by just asking, what's your story? Arnold, how'd you end up in this business? Well, I'm a local Southern California kid, believe it or not. I've been here since I was two years old. I was born in Boston. And to be honest, I just wanted to play sports like all my life as a kid. So I you know, got into volleyball, basketball, tennis, softball, soccer. I was a little too fat for soccer, so that kind of ended really quickly. But um, that's what all my friends did. I grew up here in the San Fernando Valley over in Canoga Park, which is not too far away. My parents still live there. My brother's in Chatsworth. I did all my elementary school, my junior high school, my high school right here in Southern California. And to be honest, this wasn't really a career path for me growing up because I said, you know, most of my friends, we all played sports and went to the mall playing video games and trying to figure out like which girl we want to take to the prom and, you know, that sort of thing. Pretty normal. Yeah. You know, I would say pretty normal. Um, Went to UC Irvine for college, got, got a degree in history, went to Japan to teach English right after that to pay off my college loans because I borrowed. Yeah, that was the first job. And it's a great job because as a U.S. citizen, uh, because of the partnership and alliance we have with Japan, uh, you get to work there tax-free. They don't pay, they don't uh, charge you taxes. And then on the U.S. side, I think this is still in place. If you work 11 months out of the year in a foreign country, up to, I think, $105,000 is tax-free. So, you know, first job out of college, trying to pay off college loans. It was a great choice. Um, When I came back, I realized I didn't want to, I wanted to be a teacher, so that's why I went there to get that experience. I realized I didn't want to be a teacher. So I came back, just honestly started waiting tables, trying to figure out what am I going to do with a history degree, like become a lecturer or, you know, teach at some like, you know, associate college or something. Um, I just didn't have any real career path that I wanted to, you know, get into. So uh, waiting tables and then got a headhunter and got a recruiter and then they just started funneling funneling out different jobs to kind of take a look at so i did like enterprise runner car that was like my first job and the management training program and then the headhunter after that after a year it was like 2001 i got hired to be a mechanical engineering consultant for a fortune 500 company with a history degree (laughs) i was like wait i don't know anything about mechanical engineering like they're like don't worry we want actually more sales uh, force people and they'll train you on the job I was like okay so I did that for three years 2001 to 2003 and then um, it was good money I was 27 years old and you know I was um, you know doing whatever I wanted with the money but it was just not fulfilling it's just kind of boring so I thought maybe uh, switch industries go to a different job but it wasn't entertainment yet it was pharmaceutical sales so that was October of 2003, actually coming up on 20, what is it, 23, 20 years yeah, anniversary. 20 years. 
Yeah, and then a friend of mine was doing an independent movie. His name is Eric Kim. I'll say his name because he's awesome. And it was for Madonna's company. And it was actually starring Sung Kang, who did uh, Better Luck Tomorrow back in 2002. So it was like the first time oh, I ever saw like a real like Asian-American actor on screen. And so I volunteered on set. He was just looking for PAs to do whatever. And that's literally how it started. I was running coffee to the director, picking up grip equipment, taking picture cars from the picture car company to set. And then on the fourth day, that producer, he was like, so what do you do for a living? Like, what's your real job? I said, oh, I'm in transition. I got an offer to go to a pharmaceutical company in about a couple of weeks. And he just kind of proposed like, why don't you don't do that and come work for my company and let me teach you how to produce. I was like, I don't know anything about this business. I had no friends, no family members. I didn't do anything in elementary school or high school or junior high school as far as stage plays or anything like that. I literally just was like a fish out of water. And I think the allure of just the bright lights in terms of the technical side and seeing like how a movie is actually put together was very intriguing. I'd never been on a movie set. I know that sounds crazy being from LA, but it's true. I think you can grow up here. I'm a testament of it and not be in this business. I think the closest thing was like doing the tram ride at Universal Studios tour. So that was like just getting my feet wet. And he, I guess, saw something in terms of like, wow, kid like learns quickly and is like mm -hmm. really passionate about this. So uh, he hired me to be a coordinator. Okay. So I did that for like four months. And then, you know, it's a totally dramatic shift to go from a regular nine to five and then plunged into like, now how do you make money? Like, where's your paycheck coming from? Cause yeah. you're used to that two week cycle. Right. So I just, um, I just started learning, you know, as much as I could, I got into uh, supplying extras, like casting, you know, extras for music videos, through little commercials, independent movies, uh, because I started doing extra work like many of us do, whether to get your SAG card or, or to make money because it's flexible. Mm -hmm. And then from there, you know, it's like this uh, melting pot of information. You hear so many people's journeys and so many people's stories and like, oh, I'm with this calling service. You need to get with that. Or, you know, I've been specking over here and getting that. Or I got this relationship with it. And it's just like incredible the amount of people that have just very different walks of life and their journey to become a working actor or a working entertainer or whatever it is. So I'm in the same boat. That's kind of how I learned everything was just listening and kind of trying out different things definitely had my share of getting scammed and <laughs> getting like taken oh, advantage yeah. of but that was kind of my my film school i guess acting school kind of like journey and then now 20 years later um here i am i mean i started out in 03 did extra work for a long time that's how i got my sag card okay and then you know Extra work just became like a very good, comfortable thing to do on the commercial side because it was okay. a completely different rate. So yeah. that was easy enough to say, you know, that's like my waiting tables and, you know, a serving job or whatever other freelance job to do on the side while waiting for audition. But I didn't right. find my first agent until around 2008. So five okay. years later. Wow. And that was just from doing student films, doing independent stuff, doing short films or whatever uh, you could find to just get a reel I swear mm -hmm. my reel my first reel is literally just like featured background work that's all okay, I love it. like hey because you could look like on camera <laughs> yeah well yeah because back then um you know it was before digital so mm. you can't just go and like grab someone's uh footage off the internet like yeah. you have to literally call the production company or call the students say hey 
can I get some footage? And of course, they always tell no, or they're busy, or they can't get it. It's like, man, it's so frustrating getting that. But that was like how I compiled like my first reel, and then you know used that talent search thing on uh, Actors Access yeah. and got um, got a couple of different interviews. And yeah, I found um, an incredible agent that I stayed with for ten years. And then that was actually from a manager who got me that. And that whole story is kind of funny, too, if you want me to roll into yeah, that. Yeah, thing. yeah. But yeah. so it was Momentum Talent Agency. Okay. And my manager got me the appointment. So I was meeting the um, not junior agent, but a senior, uh, a seasoned agent there who was kind of on her way up to be partner. Sure. And so it was an interview. But I didn't know it wasn't going to be just one on one. I thought it was. But when I got there, it was all four. The two partners plus the junior agent plus her. And obviously, incredibly nerve-wracking. I mean, just like, oh my, whoa, God, oh my gosh, yeah. like I wasn't prepared for this. And, you know, here's some sides. A soap opera and a dramatic, you know, side. Go outside, prepare it, come back in. And I completely bombed it. I was horrible. I, like, totally failed. And unfortunately, like, right there on the spot, you know, they said, well, um, we appreciate your time, but we're, we don't think you're ready yet to, you know, come into our stable and so forth. And so, you know, I hung my head and walked out. But the agent called me the next day and she said, hey, I'm so sorry, but um, it wasn't supposed to be with all four of them in the room. It was just supposed to be you and I. But they were very curious to see who I was seeing because it wasn't on their books in terms of like the communication. So they popped in. And so it's like, what? oh, man, that's crazy. I, I, and so thank you for sharing. I said, thank you for sharing that. And she said, you know, look, I know that they said no, but I really do see something in you. And so I'm going to take you on without them knowing. Like, I'm just going to start sending you out and I'm going to work with you. And I stayed with her for 10 years and she got me everything that I have on my resume up to that point. Mm -hmm. And the very first thing that she set me out on was a co-star. I, I booked that. And then it wow. just became the next and the next and the next. And so she ran a funny joke. She would always bring the booking sheet into the two partners and the junior agent to say, oh, guess who booked again today? Oh, guess who booked again this week? Oh, guess who booked again this month? Like, you guys got it wrong. You should have taken them on. So it was kind of a fun, uh, really encouraging anecdote yeah. that she shared with me. But um, yeah, I was very fortunate enough to find somebody that I think really believed in you. Because mm -hmm. a lot of times, you know, there's, you know, a, a lot of people that say a grandiose version of what they want to do for you and don't really deliver. Yeah. How many times do you run into that, right? Right, of course. Yeah, everybody knows how to make you a star. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's important to, you know, say no. Like, if you don't feel that the working relationship is going mm -hmm. well, and because it's your career, like yeah. you're really ninety percent of it is the work that you're going to be putting in to develop that. Um, like case in point, she, you know, I had nothing on my resume, like zero, except for the featured extra credits, right? And, I mean, she was you know, very, very headstrong in calling up casting directors at that time, because that's the way they did it, to tell them, listen, you got to see my client. Like, you must see him. Please, please, you have to see him for this role. If he's terrible, don't ever call my clients in ever again. I mean, she risked that kind of, you know, gravitas in her reputation to do that. And I, I couldn't be more thankful for having somebody like that on your side, because mm -hmm. it just gives you that reinforcement of knowing that, well, if she believes in me, then I, I maybe I can do this yeah and so that was kind of the transition out from the production end of things and then kind of now getting opportunities to solicit and get jobs as a working actor 
and for you know the last 20 years I'm just very humbled and grateful that I've had those kinds of opportunities and I've only been with two different agents in 20 years wow. as far as my theatrical side on my commercial side I've been with my commercial agent for 17 years wow. and there was no reason to leave because yeah. you know they're good and that goes back to the point like really qualify and if you don't feel it like you know don't stay yeah. like be with somebody that is believing in you and also that you believe in you know what their organization and their firm is capable of doing you know so yeah it's been a long journey and um you know i got married in 2013 and i think that was you know at the point for me i always wanted to work with children because i did that a lot at church and a lot with bible study and then even going to japan it was an indication of just my my desire to want to work in education or some type of format of that and so I think that spoke to me just wanting to be a, a father someday and yeah. wanting to have a family. I'm the eldest of three. I have uh, two younger brothers. And, you know, those are things that obviously influence, you know, who you are as a person, just the mm -hmm. camaraderie of your family. And unfortunately, in our business, it's hard. Um, it's hard to balance that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, um, can you talk to us a little bit about being a series regular? Um, and then on top of that, if you want to work in how that was balancing a family, because I know you had children at the point that yeah. you booked your first series regular. Correct. Yeah. So up until the first 10, I'd say, well, let's say the first eight years I was with her, uh, you know, forward momentum, progress, getting to the first reoccurring co-star that I had was on a show called Gang Related. And funny enough, that was 2012, around 2013 at the tail end, starring Sun Kang, who I had saw you know 10 years ago or so as a pa on the on a set of his independent movie so oh, it's a really yeah, interesting uh, full circle that whoa. came where i met him on that set for the very first time and then now i'm co-starring with him in his series like 10 years later it's crazy anyway so that was um oh it was an incredible opportunity it was directed by alan hughes one of my favorite directors um menace society dead presidents mm -hmm. book of eli amazing amazing guy and, um, you know, he, I guess, particularly singled me out to do this other part in it because it was only supposed to be a co-star role. And then the writers, I remember, came over after talking with him and they said, hey, we're going to um, we're going to have you come back in the next episode. I was like, oh, really? Oh, OK, <laughs> that's kind of cool. But it was a completely different role. And you, uh, you and I both know. Oftentimes, if you work on a pilot when you're established, they don't hardly ever change you to be something else because it can be very confusing to the audience. Yeah. But that actually happened. So the role that I played in the pilot was completely different in the second episode when I came back out. and It was a completely different character. And then they wrote me for the third episode. And then, unfortunately, the um, show got canceled. So it didn't allow me to uh, recur back in the second season. Mm -hmm. But the fact that that happened was just a testament to like, wow, I... I'd, I've heard about it, but I didn't think that it happens often. And that's the similar thing that happened on the next opportunity, which was Man in the High Castle. So having that first credit as a recurring co-star opened up sort of the door and the gateway to the now seeing like recurring guest stars and series regular roles. Okay. Even though I had, re I had read for them before in the past, mm -hmm. I would always unfortunately lose out to the guy that had more credits yeah. that was more established. And yeah. that does happen very often. But this, in, this one in particular, it was, again, a two-episode sort of, like, co-star but guest star billing, is Man what they the said. Man on the Castle it was. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I went in there with that knowing, and 
given that it was a, a two episode run, I thought that it would be at least like, you know, callback and test and all that. But it was interesting. It was really just one callback in front of all the executive producers and the showrunner there. And that was it. And literally, it went to, you got booked. So it was a self-tape and then a callback? No, it was in person at that in time. In person, first round, yeah. in person callback, Correct. and then you booked it? Wow. Right. But there was no test. Like, I've been on other calls where a role of that size, they would have, like, another test yeah. afterward with, like, the person who's going to be playing opposite you, but it didn't happen. And so um, that was in Vancouver, and that was 2014. We shot the pilot. But the pilot was done in Seattle. And then when we got the okay. series picked up, it was going to be in Vancouver, and that traveling back and forth was uh, intense, you know. Did you audition like, here in L.A., though? Yeah. Just out of curiosity. Okay, Yeah, cool. that was here in L.A., and then uh, the production ended up moving up to uh, Vancouver instead of Seattle. They were trying to keep it in Washington, but I think they weren't able to get sort of the f tax credit deal that they were trying to apply for with the state or, you know, try to get something put in place because um, there was a lot of money that they spent on that. Yeah. Can you know? I ask you, what's the process when it comes to... Um, a pilot turning into a series like did you go on to filming this pilot for man on the castle knowing that this was going to be like a big project that would get picked up like did you have a feeling or what kind of what's that process like? so yeah that's a great question it was not indicated that the series was picked up okay, it was just going to okay. be pilot yeah and then they did announce that we're going to launch it so it was the one of the first streaming shows to kind of like get made and yeah. to kind of go out in that sort of platform in terms of it's distribution. Amazon Prime, it's Amazon Prime, yeah. And so we were all um, a, a little kind of in the dark about like, okay, what does that mean? Like, how does that work? So what they did was, you know, they filmed the pilot just like any other TV show and then they release it on their platform. And then with all the marketing and all the different, you know, uh, interviews and sort of like buzz that they try to create around it, mm -hmm. I guess they were waiting to see how many people clicked and watched it. And then based on that, they determine whether they're going to make the whole first season or not. Okay. So thankfully, they made the first season and then Got the second clicks. season and third. Yeah, but they never really released the data in terms of like how many people actually watched that. They just kind of gave a rough rough number of like, oh, you know, like sixty thousand hours of of this was like watched. But we all know, you know, does that mean one click in? terms of a, a household is representative of one hour or did they just watch 20 minutes of it you don't know but anyway long story short um that was when we found out like it was going to be made into a, a whole series so yeah can you talk to us a little bit about how you managed having a family while also yeah. being a working actor yeah. like what year did you have your first child all of that stuff yeah um 2013 like i said i got married and then uh 2015 my uh son liam he's eight now he was born uh, August 23rd and you know at the time the pilot it was it wasn't so when he was born we didn't really get the notice that um, the series had been picked up we were still kind of in limbo trying to figure out is it going to be maybe here in LA or is it going to be back in Washington and then when they sent Vancouver it was like oh okay I just you know curveball kind of out of left field yeah. but uh, you know granted we were living in Sherman Oaks so I figured okay we'll just you know commute to the airport and then you know hop on a flight and go and it's only a two-hour flight, really, so it's still within the same, I'm sorry, same time zone, okay. and not too difficult to fly back and forth. But the repetitiveness of the job became sort of cumbersome because you weren't going up like you know once a month. You're sometimes going twice a month, sometimes three times a month, and over the course of six months, it was 28 round-trip flights, and you know that in itself is 
like every actor's dream. Yeah. Like yeah, people yeah. look at that as like, oh my gosh, I just can't wait to just do that and like be able to, you know, jet stream wherever I want to go. But when you have a family and especially wanting to get back to your young one who, you know, is barely like three months old, yeah. that turnaround is really tight and it's really hard. And gosh, there were a couple yeah. cases where they forgot I was in the next episode. <laughs> so I would like land. I was like having dinner with my family. Then I get a phone call. Hey, uh, we need you to be on the first plane tomorrow morning. You got to come back up. I'm like, wait a minute. I, I just got down. Like, what, what do you mean? Yeah, we forgot you're in the next episode. So we need you to get back up here right away. <laughs> so I like drop everything I'm doing, go pack up, get ready to go and get the car service and go. And I mean, look, it's an incredible opportunity. I will say nothing but like, I'm so grateful for having that chance to do that kind of work and get in that kind of environment. But it is not easy logistically when yeah. you have a, a child, a young child in that yeah. way. And then having to, you know, manage going back and forth and, you know, be there for your wife because yeah. she just had a baby and she's like recovering and so forth. And so, you know, those are things that um, are just, you know, sort of out of your control at times. Mm -hmm. And you try to figure out, you know, that they're just not going to call today for you to come up to the next episode and yeah. roll the dice. But I mean, hey, you, when you sign the deal to do it, that's what you do. But again, going back to the show, the second episode that I worked on, so again, the original deal was it was only going to be two episodes. And so I was under the impression that, okay, it's like, you know, two episodes and I'm done. Did you think you were like a co-star then or a guest star? Were you not expecting to it, be a series regular? It, it was as a guest star contract, okay. unfortunately. But as the role, it kind of started out more as a co-star role. Okay. So I'm unsure if they were kind of like trying to see the chemistry between the you know series reg that i was working next to and me and thankfully i had actually worked with him uh six years or seven years before on another picture oh, so it was so kind cool. of interesting that like oh we got paired up again full circle All yeah, again full that's circle two times moments. yeah that's yeah. that's two full circle moments and then um on the second episode before i wrapped the executive producers came into um, the makeup trailer as i was getting ready and they're like, hey, we want to talk to you. And I was like, oh, my God, am I in trouble? Like when it's two executive <laughs> producers to come to talk to you in the yeah. makeup trailer, you're thinking like, did what, I, did I do? what did I do wrong? Am I getting fired? Like, what did I piss somebody off? Like, oh, my God. And then they obviously start the contract like, so um, how are you doing today? Like, yeah, I'm good. Um, what's going Let's on? Let's small talk. So, yeah. <laughs> so we just wanted to let you know. I'm like, oh, my God, here it comes. They're getting fired. That we're going to be producing the next eight episodes for you and your character. I'm like, What? Yeah, we, uh, we, we're going to produce all eight episodes remaining for you. Uh, you're going to be part of the cast as a regular. I'm like, whoa. And so that was just, I was just speechless. So basically you blew their shoes <clears throat> off with your performance. Yeah, I And think, they wrote him in is kind of what it sounds I, I, like. I think that's what the process was. Maybe yeah, just to make wow. sure that I could do the work and, yeah. and do that. And, you know, I heard about that. I've, I've heard stories like that. Yeah. But I don't know too many colleagues around me were like, oh, that happened to them. So even though you hear about it, you can't substantiate the facts with like, oh, I know friends have actually that that's happened to them. Right. And they've turned a co-star role into a guest star or a recurring guest star and so forth. So, you know, it's hearsay. It's it's Hollywood, you know, folklore. But it happened to me. And so that was just like, thank you, God. Just blessings and just an amazing uh, four four season run at working okay. on that show. Um, and so, yeah, that, that was amazing. Amazing. 
experience. How, um, what year did you start working on the show? And yep. what year did it end? So the pilot, 2014. 2014. The season got then picked up in 2015. Okay. So 2015 to 2018 was um, our four seasons that we went through. Yeah. What was that shooting schedule like? How many months were y'all shooting oh, each year? It's um, uh, generally seven months. As wow, far as principal photography, yeah, oh my gosh. yeah, seven months. Okay. But again, mind you, we're you know not appearing in every single episode course, in season yeah. two, three, and four. But it's almost so, like your life's on hold for those seven months, Loki, because you can't. If, correct me if I'm wrong, but can you work on other projects in that time or not usually? In Canada, you can't. Okay. So because of the visa situation, if they hire you to come up, you are only contracted to work on that show and that's it. Mm, like you can't jump so onto other shows. I tried, okay. actually tried to open up my visa okay. uh, because I was able, when you're in Canada, I guess as an actor from the States, there's a bit of, um, I don't want to say celebrity that you bring to it, but there, there's just maybe more actors from LA going up there or from whatever, just the general United States going up there that there's, there's so many other shows that are shooting there. And so the local pool of talent, it's small. So casting directors and agents, like you could find relationships being built with them easily up there when you're on a series and when you're on a show. So why not? Why not reach yeah. out and try to see if you can guest star or pop in for an episode on a different show? Yeah. But the visa doesn't allow you to do that. Mm. So that's why I tried to open it up because I had an opportunity to get on another show, but pending, you know, you get your visa opened up and then go back to immigration, but they shut that down and I peeled three times and they shut that down. So they make it hard, but to answer your question, yeah, I mean, you know, there's a, a, a great opportunity to work while you're there, but um, the season can be rigorous because you just don't know when. And they don't give you, like, here's all the episodes you're working on. They'll give you the whole season and they pin you for the episodes, but, you know, everything changes with writing sometimes. So it could be like, oh, we moved you to this episode instead. So you can't really, like, plan and be like, okay, I'm going to go back down to L.A. for, like, mm -hmm. this time and call me when you need me and I'll come back up. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was your, just out of curiosity, what was like the living situation when you were in Vancouver? Did they put you all in a hotel, a house? Was your family able to come visit you? What was that like? So the first season, like I said, I flew back and forth. Right. And because of that, I elected to move myself up there the second okay. season because I just couldn't do the flight. I mean, the flights were just, they were just killing me. I mean, in terms of time to get off from yeah. the airport, to get you back get home. Two too hours much early. And, yeah. yeah. And so... The second season, I said, look, I, I don't want to travel anymore. Like, I'm just losing so much time with my child and my yeah. wife needs me to help. So can I just can I just move up there? Obviously, my agent tried to like, hey, well, let's get a series regular contract so that you can then get the travel and the move-in fee and all that yeah. stuff that comes with the SAG agreement put into place. But, you know, it, it never got approved every time we asked. But they were nice enough to actually say, okay, well, if you want to move up here, then here's what we'll do. We'll... Uh, cash out all of your travel all the things that come your accommodations your car service your travel your airfare and we'll give that into your salary and you can move up here and i was like done where do i sign because that basically uh doubled my salary for it per episode so oh, yeah you know i paid it's a win-win yeah i paid out of pocket to hire a mover move all of our stuff up there uh, we found okay. our own apartment oh, we goodness. stayed you know right in the local you know vancouver proper cool. and then i just commuted 20 minutes to the studio to film and come back. And it was like, that's how I wanted to do yeah. it and be in that way. Yes, it cost me money out of my pocket, but that was um, money well spent in that sense. Yeah. Unfortunately, that goes back to the visa problem. The second season, I tried to you know, open up the visa because I was like, I want to stay up here. 
I mean, there's tons of work and that's why it's like advantageous to try to do that. But I got denied. So when the visa, visa ran out, got booted back down to oh, LA. Dang. And then so the third season, I had to do the flying back and okay. forth again. So that's why I ended up going down to the South Bay. Because okay. Lawndale, Torrance, Hermosa Beach, Redondo Beach, it's within like 10 minutes to the airport. So that made yeah. it like much more convenient to do that. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. So were you never officially written in as a series regular then? Because you mentioned the contract. Yeah, not as a not on contract. Wow. But as far as okay. character, they definitely uh, yeah. used it as oh a series regular. Yeah. Interesting. And that happens, you know. So is that, that just them trying to like save save budget? Is that why they who, do that, or who knows? You know, that's a great question. It it could be a myriad of things. I mean, yeah. every season they're adding different series regulars that literally for just that season they appear and maybe they get killed off and so forth. And then you know, I'm already an established character and I'm woven into the storyline. So I don't know. That's a great question. I mean, we we pushed for it every year. Mm-hmm. And every year we got turned down. So instead, I just kept getting my uh, quote bumped up every year. But, you know, yeah, it, it never fully materialized into uh, an actual series regular contract. But the character was used as a series regular. And I think for me as a professional, when you get on a show of that caliber, you want to do the best work you can. You yeah. own it like it's yours because oh, it becomes yeah. something where you're proud of the work that you put in to first get on the show. Right. And the fact that, they're not just giving you morsels. I mean, they're actually like really weaving your character into the main storyline and the fabric of like yeah. the whole main like you know theme of the story. Mm-hmm. And your character is the first catalyst that they see for that. Yeah. So it gives you motivation also as a performer to want to be at your best and bring your mm-hmm. best to it and own it like it's yours and talk about it like it's yours. Yeah. You know? Gosh, especially in your case too, where it's like they literally like wrote you into it. That's so awesome. Yeah. I'm curious for you, what was your preparation in terms of playing the same character for that many seasons? Did you approach that role differently than your other roles or what was that kind of like? Absolutely. Definitely yeah. more of a dive into looking at his backstory and yeah. at least in that regard when you're in that kind of position you get to ask the writing room you get to ask the executive producers yeah. you get to ask the people that are running the show insights about you know where do you want me to play this how do you want me to play this where does this character go here in this next episode or the episode before it and so those were great moments to choose and kind of come up with your own interpretations based on the theme of the story and the arc of the story of like where you want to go. Mm-hmm. And that actually became good opportunities. And you've heard it before where that lends writers to then kind of do more for you as well, because you're invested and you're inputting things that they didn't think about mm-hmm. to help direct and guide where this character might, you know, appear or, um, you know, go in their journey with the other characters in the whole, in the whole show. That show had a lot of different characters and a lot of different storylines. So, so you've done the thing that all of us actors we strive to do like i feel like uh, when you're a working actor that's kind of the goal that we all have in mind is like when am i going to get that series regular etc cetera, etc cetera. so what is life like post series regular right. we've kind of done the thing well that's a great uh, that's just a great point i mean you come off a series and now you're just really reading for other series in the same regard as far as you know recurring guest star or series reg or even uh, movie opportunities become a bit bigger for you. Yeah. And I had thought because of what I've been hearing from other people and other mentors and so forth that um, you generally will find another show like right away. Well, that didn't really happen for me. And so it was kind of a burst of the bubble. And I thought that, okay, we 
you shouldn't have like much of a delay maybe because I've been reading for other things but it didn't materialize as quickly as I thought into you know other opportunities and I'd seen other people that it, that had happened to and again um, I think that speaks to just everyone's journey is very different yeah. and so in 2019 right after that series ended um, I, I think what did I do in 19 it was like a it was like an episode of a Disney show and it was like, oh my gosh, finally the first time I get to do something for kids because most of the stuff yeah. I do is not for kids. <laughs> so, you know, with my child and everything, I would like hopefully one day like I can show, you know, yeah, kids yeah. like what I do, but now that they're not old enough to see it. And then uh, with 2020, the pandemic happened and that kind of gosh, shut everything yeah. down. So yeah. it just sort of, uh, you know, derailed everything. Mm-hmm. And as we opened back up, here I am back on, you know, I don't know if you want to call it square one, but, you know, trying to get back to where I was before. Um, in December of 2020, there was something that came up. It was going to be a five episode recurring on a streaming show. And then that one fell through when the pandemic happened. Um, as you know, everything shut down. And so it was kind of getting back to square one and trying to figure out like what to do in the midst of you know everything being shut down. So I was doing a lot of gig work and, you know, just doing whatever I could to support the family. Because at that time now I had three kids. <laughs> so yes. a, second, a second was born in 2018 uh, and he's five now. And now my youngest is three. And so, you know, there's a lot to shoulder mm-hmm. when you have that. You can't really, you know, just sit back and kind of relax and not do anything. So in December of 2020, like I said, was um, I had an opportunity to get on a, another show. And I was like, oh, my gosh, finally, I've like broke the broke the drought and it was a five episode recurring for the big streamer and then two weeks before i was going to fly out they rescinded the deal they like literally took it away and so that was hard you know to kind of go through that yeah. where it was going to be enough to like take care of the family for the year wow. and then to have that fall through is like oh my gosh what do i do now and do you know why so, it fell through can i ask a little more in depth yeah they um were shooting in a country that had a 14-day quarantine because at that okay. time you know um it was Korea, Japan, and also Vancouver. And each of those countries had a 14-day mandatory quarantine. And so the thing that really kind of irked uh, our whole, my whole team was like, I wasn't the one asking for quarantine pay. That's something that was baked into the agreement by SAG-AFTRA for the time of you know, the pandemic for people who wanted to film during the pandemic, given the health protocols that were in place. And you know, hey, every country's doing their own thing with that. So anybody who would have to go over there, hey, that production has to put them up in a hotel for 14 days until they're clear and feed them and also pay them a day rate. And I think that maybe that was one of the sticking points for mm. not only my deal, but everybody else after that I had heard, they tried to do the same thing. They were asking people to go up there and be local hires from Los Angeles. But so what does that mean that they have to pay their own way there and stay in the hotel by themselves and pay their own way there and not be paid. And that just didn't make sense for me. Not only that, it was kind of just strange that they, you know, threw that out, that they didn't yeah. want to do that, where they're the ones that agreed to that. I, I didn't ask for that. It's just part of the regular agreement, but they wanted to get out of that. And so I think they used um, force majeure and rescinded, rescinded the deal, unfortunately. It was, um, it was depressing. <laughs> No, yeah. I bet you're that. not the only one that that happened to, too. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, gosh. Yeah, outside of the people that obviously had to shut down because, like, hey, the pandemic happened, so that's another form of it. But to book a... I mean, my gosh, the audition was ridiculous. It was, like, 12 pages, you know, in three different languages, mind you. Yeah. And then to get oh considered gosh, for that role, no, yeah. 
And then all of a sudden, like, to have it taken away was yeah. pretty pretty blowing to your, you know, yeah, confidence and <laughs> mental health and everything yeah, else. Yeah, no, I'm sure. As this business is. Yeah. Um, um, but, again, um, silver lining, right? Like, that casting director for that show, I think, um, felt incredibly horrible about what had happened. And, again, there is... There is goodwill. There is the care that comes out from time to time. And she was the one that actually um, pushed to get me on bullet train as a kind of like, sorry that that one didn't work out. Here's this thing instead. Uh, and so that was a blessing in disguise. But um, I wish I had the five episode recurring instead. But I mean, getting yeah. to work with David Leach and, you know, Brad and all them was just amazing. And I'll never, you know, take anything from that. What was the audition process like for bullet train? So that was another thing there. Um, the sides were literally like two pages and oh. it was literally given to me like, can you please put this on tape by tomorrow? And they did tell me it's going to go straight to network in terms of Sony because that's the head network. And then uh, it's going to be seen just by producer and director and that's it. So wow. I got the feeling that there wasn't anybody else that it was going out to, that they were... Um, basically really like looking for me to fill it. Yeah, yeah, and that she was saying, hey, he can do this. Yeah. Okay, just put him on tape. Let's see. And then when I sent it in, um, like four, four, five days later, I found out that uh, they wanted they wanted me to come. I was like, oh, awesome. <laughs> and that's, that's how that happened. Yeah, it's crazy. You know? Wow, that's awesome. Um, so I'm curious, Arnold, you've been doing this working actor thing for a while. Um, what are some ways that you take care of yourself in the midst of this crazy business or some things that you do to stay oh, sane? Yeah, great, great question. Um, I think it's a daily grind, honestly, because of the family obligations with three kids and so forth. Um, I really just try to make it to the gym every morning, like after I drop off my kids. And for 45 minutes, it's like, that's all I can get now at my age. I'm too old. <laughs> I get tired. I'm like, dude, I can't do it anymore. I got to go home. Um, but no, I think mental spiritual and emotional health and physical health is so important um your whole entire being is your calling card and you know i think that not enough time sometimes is given to that when you're such in a go 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 type of mode and trying to get things done i think it's so important you have to take at least 20 30 minutes out of your day to really take care of yourself um, of course i think it's given that we definitely have to be mindful of our health in regards to our nutrition and all those kinds of yeah. things because hey if you want to if you want to have longevity in this business i mean it's your face and your body like that's your calling card and i think it's important to keep that temple you know really well oiled yeah. and that machine well going and um so that's the you know little things that i try to do and believe it or not like taking my kids out is also another form of joy in that way and Thankfully, they love to still hang out with me, even though mm -hmm. they love playing with their iPads from time to time, but they still want me to take them on walks and take them on bike rides. And I love taking my kids on trips. Like we, we go everywhere and everywhere when we can, yeah. you know? And so I think um, being outdoors and trying to have that balance is incredibly helpful to my mental sanity. Because, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, we get rejected a lot for yeah. what we do. And I think sometimes if you um, focus on that too much and it's not like I haven't had that. I've, I've gone through depression. I mean, I've, I tried to, I tried to kill myself in 2010. I tried to take my own life. And I think it was a culmination of like all the things that were passing me in this business. Like, why am I not getting that? I'm working so hard and I'm not getting those opportunities. It's yeah. always going to the guy that has more, that bigger resume. And then funny enough, right after that, that's when I got the recurring co-star. 
and it was almost like and I don't know. Series regular, and you got yeah. married, and you have three beautiful children. Yeah, and yeah. it's a big accomplishment. I I don't take it for yeah. granted any, any any at any point in my life. I tell people like, look, I I think there's always the introspective. They think I'm living the dream, and in some sense, yeah, that that portrayal is a dream. But at the same time, I try to keep it very real on social media. I'm just like, dude, this is what I deal with. <laughs> Check yeah. out my kids, how crazy they are. And, um, you know, I tell people, like, only have a family if you really want to, you know, because it may not be right for everybody, mm. just to be completely honest, because it takes away from everything uh, in terms of um, your availability. Like, yeah. you have to sacrifice a lot. And if yeah. you don't want to do that, don't compare yourself to other people. I don't yeah. think it's um, good and healthy for you to, like, say, I'm not going to be successful unless I have that. I'm not going to be successful mm. unless I have this. I'm not going to be successful unless I attain that. Yeah. Well, we could do that forever. You know, like where's the point that it ends? Where's the point that you find contentment? And I think that in our culture, in our country, in our society, and with everything that's been bombarded at, uh, to us in terms of our ideology and our entire worldview, it's so easy to think about like what we don't have and then compare that and say, oh, like that's why I'm not happy. That's why I'm not fulfilled. That's why I'm not successful. Mm -hmm. And I think we have to be very careful of that. We do, know? yeah. You're right. We're very, like, externally driven, yes, as actors and also as people. Like, we want this thing, this role, this new thing. But if you're constantly striving for the next thing, you're just going to do that forever. Like, it's never ending. There's never enough money. There's never enough acting roles. You have to find that joy and that fulfillment within. Yeah. Forever. I'm not saying don't work hard. That's not of what I'm course, saying. Of course, yeah. It's, it's understanding that, like, if you constantly compare and have envy and you know just not non-contentment in your heart you're never gonna be you, that's never gonna stop yeah your you self-worth do doesn't that. yeah your self-worth and your identity can't be in that stuff it yeah. has to come from within yeah. that's so beautiful i was going to ask you what your advice is to people that want to have children but are afraid because of being an actor but you almost kind of just answered that um, yeah if you i elaborate a bit i I think I'm a little, maybe I'm a little different in that. I always knew I wanted to have children. Like okay. I wanted to be a father. Like, yeah. and I think that comes from my father, just the role model that he is to me and my mother. And I'm so grateful and thankful for that because they let me do this. I mean, I have a lot of friends that like they lost their relationship with their parents when they became into, when yeah. they started going into entertainment. And I get it in the Asian American community. It's still something that we're breaking through where it's like taboo to go into this job or to make that as a living, like yeah. do something more stable. But it, you know, you can't, you can't define happiness by just do, doing what your parents want you to do. You have to kind of actually make mistakes and fail at it yeah. before you realize, okay, yeah, that wasn't like the good decision. Maybe I should do this instead. But in a nutshell, it's like, I was so thankful that my parents let me do that yeah. because they, didn't shun me they didn't prohibit me they didn't say like you're never going to make it it's like they said okay we'll try but work hard at whatever you do you know put your entire being into it your entire passion into it and so um for me it was always just again i've worked with a lot of kids i'd volunteered a lot as a, as a kid as well um i always wanted to have children yeah. and wanted to have a family and i wasn't going to let my pursuit of this stop it and right. so that also translated into me turning down certain jobs too in the sense of not that they were offers but like yeah. an audition like oh i i just I, where is it filming i don't think i can do that it's gonna yeah. it's just not gonna work out um but for people that want to have a family if they really want it don't don't let this this, this pursuit stop you you will find yeah. a way right because i have three 
and yeah. I'm working and I'm figuring it out. And yeah. so I think that drive to take care of your children and to balance being a professional in what you do is not something impossible. It can be done, but you have to commit to it. Yeah. You have to put hard work into it, you know? And that's what I was saying. Like, I don't really do a whole lot other than <laughs> go to the gym for 45 minutes and then yes. take care of my family of and course. enjoy my time with them. Like, I don't watch my sports as much as anymore. Yeah. And it's not because I, I don't want to. I just don't have the time for it. Quite literally. Yeah. yeah and yeah. it becomes where it's not as important because I'd rather yeah. go take my kid out and go bike riding with them. Right. Instead, you know? Mm -hmm. So those are just things that I feel like naturally happen from an instinctual part as a parent when you have your own uh, kin uh, come out it's something that I can't explain that connection and that bond with your child and unfortunately there are people that don't have that that you know have separation like I I don't care and you know unfortunately there's that part of the the world but um yeah I was I'm very fortunate that for me it's been a deep drive and you know wanting to be a, a father and a husband and you know a professional yeah it almost sounds like it gives you more clarity on certain acting roles as well because like you said you'll read certain ones and be like eh, maybe it's not worth it so it's like now you're the ones you're going out for ones that you're very intentional about which is kind of yeah I agree I would agree with you um having a child and being a parent there's a lot more that you definitely tap into just without you even thinking and especially for women like m women that become mothers I mean the instinctual ability to just like feel what is natural to mama bear instinct just comes out and it's able to be used in yeah. the process of your of your craft and I would definitely say uh, for myself I became a bit more emotionally available if that makes sense yeah like being able yeah. to tap into that feeling of like what my child just accomplished or what my child is you know suffering from or the pain that he's going through I was able to use some of that in, in moments that I needed to so it definitely became a, another advantageous perk, I guess, yeah. <laughs> being a parent. Yeah. If you um, have any advice to young Arnold, maybe right when you started acting, what would it be? If we could go back 20 years, what would you, you say know, to him? I don't think I would have anything to say other than buy Amazon and buy Tesla before it blows up <laughs> yeah <laughs> i know sense. you that would have changed I mean, your life but, Arnold. That, but that's so selfish but again if i did that would i be where i am that's you know true, yeah. i think those questions are great for anecdotal and sort of um you know crystal ball kind of playing games but i feel like i wouldn't want to change where i ended up in terms of now from trying to coach my younger self because yeah. i would probably have maybe gone a different way yeah i've gone through a lot of failures i've failed a lot and mm -hmm. I've also succeeded a lot and yeah. I I'm reminded of Michael Jordan saying that all the time is like I've missed you know 24,755 whatever it is shots in my yeah. life and I've you know missed 743 game winners whatever and it was so profound because he was saying like I'm not who I am without those failures and those mistakes and those choices that I made yeah. so to be honest I probably wouldn't say anything to my younger self I, because yeah. I wouldn't want to change how I ended up here because we don't know would it alter that mm -hmm. no that's right? so true yep i love that too what i love about your journey is you had quite a bit of life experience under your belt before going into acting like i love that you pursued another career and stuff like that because i always feel like life experience is one of the best acting coaches like you have all these little experiences under your belt of going to japan working in those different industries um and all of that is kind of full circle um in making you a well-rounded person oh very true actor. and i 
I, I think everybody has uh, those kinds of stories yeah. and you can draw from those kinds of things. Um, again, for me, again, because it wasn't really a career path, you know, like yeah. I, I just didn't have I didn't know this is what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I found it at 27. And you just I, kind of fell into it in a way. Yeah, I, I literally was going to go into just another corporate job. This was not on my radar at all. And I think if you want to call it fate, that had to happen because here I am. And then I found what I wanted to do in life. And so um, if I change what I had done in the past by talking to my younger self, then I might not be here with you talking in this moment, sharing this story and all the things that I've gone through. Um, I I wouldn't want to change that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, as we come to a close here, we're going to jump into our fast, fast five. We're right. shoot five rapid fire questions. All right. You. Number Let's one, favorite quote. Oh my gosh. Uh, to be honest, I don't have one. Okay, that's all right. <laughs> uh, question number two: You're a good person because you're an LA local. What's something in LA not a lot of people know about? Like a secret food spot, fun place. Go to the original Tommy's Chili Burger. Okay. Favorite line in a movie. Anything come to your mind? Where's your twin? Tangerine. Question four. <laughs> Pickles, yay or nay? Yay. Yay. Okay, that was a quick one. Yes. Five. Recent obsession. Oh, Cinnabon. Oh, it's Because okay. I don't get it often. Yeah, Cinnab- I know. That is always an obsession. <laughs> There's I know. They're so good, Cinnabon. but so bad. Yeah. And I don't know why to this day, why are they only in malls? I know. They're like they're popular enough where you could have it standalone elsewhere, but why is it not? Why, why is it only in malls? Maybe instead of investing in Amazon or something like that, Arnold, <laughs> we should invest in a Cinnabon. The two of us, hey. Oh, my gosh. Millionaires. I think that, yeah, definitely. There's a, a whole generation that still has not learned about Cinnabon that we mm-hmm. need to convert. Very yeah. true. Do you have anything else you would like to leave our acting like an actor listeners with? Yeah. For those of you that are pursuing and want to live your dreams, I mean, don't give up. Like, you know, find it. Like, keep working hard, keep pushing hard, and, you know, keep working on it every single day because it takes hard work. Yeah. Yeah. Don't give up. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for having me. Bye, guys.